Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome, dear friends, to The Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring self-healing to overcome chronic pain. I was alone at my home in the mountains when I fell on the ice and broke my back. Lying on the frozen ground in the shade at sub-zero temperatures was clearly ill-advised, yet I was in so much pain I couldn't move. I'd had a spinal fusion when I was younger and feared I'd re-injured it. Well, I remembered the agony of the original injury and the resulting years of chronic pain. I feared going through that again. Fortunately, I tend to be rather pragmatic. Well, Gwilda, are we going to lie here and mentally create more problems based on our past experience? Or are we going to do something about the current situation? I ask myself. My purse had fallen a short distance away. Of course, it was out of reach. So I took several deep breaths to relax. Being sure to keep my spine straight, I rolled over and over until I could retrieve the purse and with it, my cell phone. 
20 minutes later, I was in the ambulance en route to the hospital. During my healing process, I was in considerable pain. I had to consistently remind myself I was getting better, that this wasn't the same as the past injury, which continued to worsen until requiring surgery. As long as I stayed present, I could manage the pain. But the minute I went into past trauma, it would overwhelm me. The experience left me to wonder, how much of our suffering is suffering over our suffering? How much of our pain results from emotions, mindset, and past trauma? Can we actually gain control of those things and overcome chronic pain? With us this hour to examine the anatomy of pain and our power over it is Dr. David Hanscom, a leading orthopedic spine surgeon at the Swedish Neuroscience Institute in Seattle, Washington, and the author of Back in Control, a surgeon's roadmap out of chronic pain. David provides a framework for the patient to find personal solutions, allowing them to live pain-free forever. His website, backintocontrol.com. David, thanks so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Yeah, thank you. I'm very happy to be here. It should be a lot of fun. It's a great topic here because I know a lot of people suffer from chronic pain. And yeah, apparently there's... quite universal. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a big problem. Yeah, and apparently there's more to pain than meets the eye. Could you please tell us the neuropsychological basis behind chronic pain? Well, it turns out pain is a normal survival response that every living creature has to stay safe. And what basically turns out that the way every living creature survives is you have something unpleasant or threatening, you take avoidance action. So that sensation that creates that avoidance reaction, we're going to call that anxiety. And so bright lights, loud sounds, um, anything threatening to you physically, et cetera, cause you to have anxiety, your body secretes a chemical reaction, then you take action to solve the problem. Humans have a problem, and we have consciousness, which thoughts do the same thing that the other physical threats do. So unpleasant thoughts are a threat, and then your body secretes a chemical called adrenaline and cortisol, and then your muscles tense, and you take action to try to avoid the problem. The problem that humans have is that they can't escape their thoughts. So animals don't have, other animals don't have that problem, we do. And when you're trapped by anything, you become very frustrated. And so what happens, you have this endless barrage of thoughts that keep coming at you, creating anxiety. And anxiety is just a chemical reaction. Basically, anxiety is the adrenaline, and anxiety actually is the pain. So there's a physical sensation of pain, then there's your interpretation of the pain, which is actually more of a problem than the actual pain. So well, you're correct, it's suffering it over sounds like, yeah, suffering over your suffering. So it sounds like right. you're, if you take this to the extreme, you're looking at PTSD. Well, PTSD is one of the things. There's over 30 symptoms of an adrenalized nervous system. So PTSD is a classic one that, that's a bit of a problem. So when we talk about chronic pain, there's actually over 30 symptoms at least of a, I call it an adrenaline assault, where you're, Let's talk about pain for a second. So what happens when you are full of adrenaline and cortisol, which are the stress chemicals, first of all, it changes your immune system. So there's lots of autoimmune disorders that can occur. But it also increases the speed of conduction of the nerves by about double. So from a survival standpoint, it makes sense when you're anxious, your nerve conduction increases to help you escape. So you actually feel the pain more. So when you're anxious, so it turns out anxiety exacerbates the pain dramatically because you've changed your body's chemistry. So it's universal. Pretty you much know, every, everybody what, has anxiety. 
it's a hundred percent. What happens though? I've I've experienced uh, when you're really in fight or flight, actually you don't feel any pain until after the fact. How does that fit in here? Well, it's a, basically, people think they can multitask. Your brain actually just focuses on one thing at a time. So, it's, if it's pure survival, by the way, your body is really full of adrenaline, which actually shuts down the blood supply to the frontal lobe of your brain. So, thoughts actually get suppressed, truly suppressed by the nervous system, because there's a part of the brain that actually shuts down pain. You've heard of soldiers in battle having major injuries and not feeling pain until they get back to the tent, and of course, they're in extreme pain. But there's something in the nervous system, actually, it's a, we call it down regulation, where the brain actually fires impulse to shut down the pain system temporarily. But that's in the short term. Correct. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> so so right. you state that physical and emotional pain are equal factors when treating chronic pain. Would you go into that for a little bit? Well, there's a book out, How Emotions Are Made, by Lisa Feldman Barrett. And if I touch a table... The reason why the table isn't painful is because my brain says it's not painful. Um, it turns out that thoughts are embedded in, your brain, embedded in your brain the same as a chair or table or car because the only reason your brain says, well, that's a table, chair, or a car because your brain unscrambles the signals and says that that's what it is. Same thing with pain is that when you touch something, some people think, or some people think it's fine, not, not painful. Another person might think it's very painful because it's the brain says that's what it is. In other words, your brain has to interpret all the sensory input to say it's pleasant or unpleasant. And so that varies by mood, varies by body chemistry. And so it's all subject to interpretation. So what happens is that these pain pathways get embedded in the brain just as real as that chair or car does. And once they're in there, it's a permanent pathway. Then... You're not only trapped by your thoughts, you're trapped by the actual pain. And your body's really full of adrenaline, which increases the pain even more. And so you get a horrible loop going. Then people quit sleeping. It's also been shown that lack of sleep actually causes chronic pain. It's not the other way around. There's a major study, study out of Israel, which showed that lack of sleep in over 1,000 volunteers actually induced chronic pain. Wow. <laughs> that, that's that's a new one on me. So just a matter of getting enough sleep can really uh, reduce your pain. Correct. It's that, huge. In fact, it's, it, it goes the other way around. If you don't get sleep, you actually can't reduce your pain. Amazing. What, what What's behind that? What's the chemistry behind that? You know, I honestly don't know the chemistry behind the sleep part of it. I just know when I first started the process, my first of all, I think you read my book, I was in chronic pain myself for 15 years. Right. Mm -hmm. And lack of sleep was horrible. And... That, I read a book years ago about the promise of sleep. is an autobiography of the guy who started the sleep lab in the 60s. And that's my first hint that sleep had an effect on anything because doctors really aren't trained in sleep being an issue. Mm -hmm. So I just started helping people sleep. And about 20% of my people, patients were getting much, much better just with sleep. So I thought that was interesting. And then I added on some stress management skills. And people started to calm down. They started to feel better. So between the sleep and calming down, you managed medications, my people started to feel a lot better. Then physical conditioning's always been an issue in pain. So we started working on the physical conditioning like we always did. Then the final thing about this whole process that's been interesting is simply life outlook, um, basically anger and forgiveness. And when you're trapped, you're angry, and your body's full of adrenaline. And so, again, what you're doing when you're anxious and angry, this is not 
This is a neurochemical reflex. Your body is just loaded with adrenaline and cortisol and wow. it's sustained. We're, we're going to have to take a short break. I would really like to get into this trapped issue on the other side of the break because that's so huge for so many of us. However, it is that magic moment. It's time for a short break. But first, let me tell you about an exciting upcoming provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment, shamanic style. Path Home Shamanic Art School's Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow, and Children of Tomorrow, Galactic Gatekeepers are revolutionary, affordable series of online classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition. They'll be coming soon to findyourpathhome.com, so stay tuned to be the first to experience these amazing classes. Again, that address is www.findyourpathhome.com. David and I will return shortly, so don't go away. Remember, you can always listen to past episodes free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic with yours truly, Gwilda Wiecka, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Gwilda Wiak's latest book, The Science of Magic, Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is the first book in a series based on her writings that open every episode of the Science of Magic radio show. Drawing on the subject matter of each guest, and armed with over 40 years experience in shamanism, 35 years in alternative health, and degrees in psychology and religious studies, Gwilda introduces relevant and leading-edge information that supports spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Rich with wisdom and inspirational quotes packaged in digestible segments, this is a book that will pull you from cover to cover. It will also serve as a daily inspirational reading for years to come. The Science of Magic Book of Mysteries, Volume 1, is available at our website, tsompublications.com, amazon.com, and wherever fine books are sold. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. 
Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Dr. David Hanscom, the author of Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. His website, backincontrol.com. Before we went into the break, David, we were going to talk about being trapped. Now, there's a lot of ways to be trapped. You can be trapped as a POW. You can be trapped in, in a car accident. But how about just trapped in circumstances or in, in, in situations in our life, like in um, school, going through finals, or in a bad marriage, or the, the list goes on. Does that have to do with chronic pain? Absolutely. Yeah. And so people, the feeling of being trapped, it doesn't matter how you're trapped, physically or circumstances, but also your your mind. I mean, I think the most common way people are trapped is they're trapped by their thoughts. And when I went through my chronic pain episode, I had extreme anxiety. I didn't become a major spine surgeon by having anxiety. And so it happens, I had these racing thoughts, and to become a major spine surgeon takes lots of stress, lots of discipline, lots of forward thinking, and you never stop. Your mind's always racing. And not to mention a steady hand, right? It, right, but the same <laughs> energy takes you up the hill, actually takes you down the other side. So I also had no anxiety until about age 38 years old. I just suppressed it. Mm-hmm. And remember, when, with your thoughts, you either suffer, suppress, or mask your thoughts, but none of those work. So suppressing works for a while, but the research shows when you, when you try not to think about something, you think about it more, but you also think about it a lot more. There's a big trampoline effect. So mm-hmm. suppressing works for a while for a lot of people, um, the same thing is people just suffer with your thoughts. You just sort of barrage by them. You feel like you're victimized by them, and you are, by the way. And the third thing, which all of us do some form of, is masking, where we're workaholic or some type of addic- other addiction. And workaholic, by the way, is not a great addiction either. <laughs> but, you know, we, th- that's how we deal with our thoughts. So we're basically, tr- the human experience is trapped by your thoughts, and then you have this endless barrage of adrenaline and frustration. And then we also live another... 30 years longer, the average lifespan is now 77, whereas in 1950 is only 47. So we have another 30 years for these circuits to keep maturing and maturing and maturing. So we're really trapped by our thoughts in addition to the circumstances, which are also real trapping problems. Well, so can I stop for a second? How about going, yeah. I'm sorry, just a, you talked about the circuits maturing and maturing and maturing. Are you talking about uh, digging a mental rut deeper and deeper to where you can't get out of it? Correct. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Well, so you made a really good point that I'd like to stop just for a second on, is that you can get out of it, but a lot of people do get stuck, and they actually don't want to come out of it. So what happens when you're trapped and full of adrenaline, basically you're anxious, and then remember when you lose control of any situation, the antidote to anxiety is control, and when you lose control of a situation, well, you become angry, which means your body kicks in even more adrenaline. So basically Mm. anger 
and anxiety are the same thing, right? Oh, so now we're talking about um, anger management stuff, people that have rage problems. Right. It's the same thing. I mean, we're entrapped by pain. In fact, that is the problem with chronic pain is that there's a saying called neurons that fire together, fire together, wire together. So people can't heal their pain until they can process their anger. It doesn't matter. Ah, interesting. So that is the dividing line between healing and not healing is the anger issue. Because if you're angry, you're under a high-level adrenaline cortisol assault. And then there's over 30 symptoms of an adrenalized nervous system. I had 16 of them at the same time. So I had migraine headaches, I had ringing in my ears, burning in my feet, PTSD, extreme anxiety, depression, couldn't sleep. The list just went on and on and on. Mm-hmm. These skin mm-hmm. rashes popped up. And so when I, by pure luck, pull out of this spiral, took 15 years to figure this out, all the symptoms disappeared. Because remember, when your body's full of adrenaline, each organ system is now bathed in that chemical environment. Right. So that's why there's so many symptoms that occur with chronic pain, and that's why so many of them get better. I've got another question for you here. If, if all your organs and everything are bathed in, in all these in neurochemicals, um, how right. long does it take to clear that out of your system once you've reduced the stimulus? As soon as you stop the stimulus. So if you can truly relax, that's why mindfulness, for instance, is a great tool because you just simply switch sensory input. So instead of being on these racing thoughts, you simply switch to a different sensation like taste, sound, or smell. So like right this second, you just feel where you're sitting, drop your shoulders, and that's it. You simply switched off a racing thoughts or pain into a more relaxed sensation, which switches sensory input. It also decreases your body's adrenaline. So remember, it's all, it's all quick. In other words, your body responds instantly to all sorts of stimuli. The problem that I had over the years is that I was anxious. I started out with panic attacks. The way I actually disguised my anxiety was I was angry. I was a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. So being a perfectionist means you're always upset at yourself for not being who you think you should be. So that's an endless anger cycle also. But the problem with anger or the benefit of anger is that it feels powerful, and people really don't want to give it up. So the only, in my mind, the major block to healing is that people don't want to give up their pain because it's powerful. Okay. That's, a, that's a, a full circle around, though. It's like you feel your pain. You don't like your pain, but then it, right. it drives you into the adrenaline response, which drives you into anger, and that does feel powerful. Correct. Wow. I, I mean, this, this blew me away. It took me five years to figure this out, and I couldn't understand why it would really talk to people about healing and getting better, people will get really angry at me. Mm-hmm. And I, I mm-hmm. took me a long time to figure out that many, many people, and I talked, to, I talked to one of my colleagues last night about this, and at least half of the people that we talk to simply don't want to get better. I mean, they intellectually want to get better. I mean, obviously everybody wants to get better at some level, but when it comes right down to the chain and giving up the power of pain, they don't want to do it. I got a question for you. Um, how much we're we talking about trapped, we're talking about pain, chronic pain. How much and this is kind of a roundabout thing, but how much of our feeling trapped is about not being able to set boundaries and our anger will automatically set boundaries for us? Does that play in there? Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, anger, so remember, there's a sequence for anger where you have a circumstance that you blame, then you're a victim, and then you're angry. <laughs> and so the circumstances can be real threats like. You know, somebody threatening you with a gun or assaulting you, et cetera. That's real victimhood. And, of course, you're appropriately angry. 
a perceived victimhood is somebody hurt my feelings, they return my phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's the same sequence, just like the same chemical sequence of um, the circumstance, blame, victim, and anger. Then perfectionism, the reason why I think perfectionism exists is because people need to be a victim. In other words, it's not logical to be a perfectionist, right? Even though all of us are hard on ourselves. So what happens, you're never perfect, and so you're either a victim of the situation is less than perfect or you're less than perfect, and so you're always agitated. Mm-hmm. How much how much of our perfectionism how much of our perfectionism is a place to project our anxiety? Give us a false sense if we can do something about it by making things perfect. Um, I think that's a good point. I, I, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think that is a good point. So the perfectionism thing is really completely illogical, yet we use it to quote... Well, so I wrote an article. I mean, the burnout rate in medicine right now is 65%. Wow. And so what gets us there, I wrote a little paper on this, is that we're perfectionists, so we're never good, at, we're never good enough. We drive ourselves beyond reason. And I've been driving myself since high school to do what I do. Then we get into residency, we, we get into fellowship, but we're, we're so focused that we're hot knife through butter. I mean, we just mm-hmm. wipe out the competition, you know, academically, et cetera. So we drive ourselves beyond reason, but the consequences on physicians is horrible. We have double, triple the suicide rate of the general population. Oh, my goodness. And what happens, we have basically what does, again, the perfectionism gives you a feeling of power, the anger thing. We don't feel the anxiety, so we have suppressed anxiety. And when you give lectures to physicians on burnout, when you use the word anxiety, people just want to drop right through the floor. But it's suppressed anxiety that gets into, it gets us into trouble. So I went from no anxiety to panic attacks in two days. Okay. So, but you and, did have anxiety. You just suppressed it, and therefore it was building? Yeah, I didn't know what it was. I honestly mm-hmm. didn't feel anxiety. Just bring it on. That was my attitude. And then all of a sudden I went from there to just falling off a cliff. And then I spent... I, I eventually developed what's called an obsessive-compulsive disorder, uh-huh. which is an extreme anxiety disorder. And I didn't really do anything wrong. I worked hard, was responsible, et cetera. All of a sudden, bam, when I exploded, it just exploded. And this happens all the time. And people all of a sudden get sick. Autoimmune disorders, irritable bowel, spastic bladder, migraine, headaches, all of a sudden their ears start to ring. All sorts of things happen. And this, again, it's the body chemistry is just full of these stress chemicals, and it stays that way. Mm. Mm. Stress is a, just really the basis of all of it, isn't it? Right. And, yeah, so I actually am on a bit of a campaign to take the word mental health and eliminate it and take the word physical health and eliminate it because the way consciousness is formed, we're processing sensory input. So every thought we have is connected to a physical sensation. That's how consciousness is formed. So simply a unit response and so, again, when you have unpleasant thoughts, your body responds instantly. When you have pleasant bodily sensation, again, your mind responds instantly. If you have pleasant thoughts, your body secretes relaxation, relaxation chemicals like dopamine and oxytocin. Well, you know, so we're going to have to take another quick pause, but I really want to pick up on this sensory, in, sensor, sensory input on the other side because I think the body is really invalidated as to what part it plays in this whole thing. But it is time for that pause. David and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. So you stay right there. 
don't miss all the wonderful things we have to offer on our website, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com.
Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. If you enjoy all the wonderful topics on our program, visit my blog, where the adventures continues, at our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. We're speaking with Dr. David Hanscom, the author of Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. His website, backincontrol.com. David, as promised, we were going to talk about uh, sensory input. And I, and I have a question I want to lead in with this. Is, um, I had, I've had two children, and I gave home birth with both of them. And what I found during labor is if I reframed how I viewed the intensity going on in my body as a productive thing rather than a destructive thing and only took one contraction at a time versus if I have to go through this for five more hours, I'm going to put a gun to my head, right? It was a totally different experience. And if I stayed on top of it, I was fine. But the minute I let it slide, then I wasn't so fine. How does that play in here? Yeah, that's an incredible illustration. I mean, you just provided the solution to chronic pain, right? You changed the sensory input, you changed body's chemistry, and you actually felt the pain less. It wasn't a mind over matter thing. It's basically you're directing your mind to a direction that simply is less chemical response. So yeah, oh. that's the essence of the project. You reframe things. So here's, what, here's the deal. So as far as solving chronic pain, there's three parts to it. First, you become aware of the problem about the nature of the environment and the body chemistry. The second thing is there's always multiple aspects to it that for each person is a different choice of variables, but they all have to be addressed at the same time. The third thing is the patient takes control. So, you know, sleep might be 20%, stress might be 30%, physical conditioning might be another 20%, acupuncture could add another 10%. So everything works in chronic pain Nothing works in isolation. So mm, what you just okay. described is a wonderful tool called reframing, whereas I'll just give you one example for me, is that I had a colleague about six years ago who was a physician, and the politics of medicine right now are pretty difficult. Yeah. And she would say, look, every time I get out of the car and put my foot on the curb, I just remember how much I hated hospital administration. So right there you started your day off with a fairly negative response, right? You're right. So I thought of, I heard that story. Go wait a second. So pain pathways are permanent; they get etched into your brain. But so are play pathways. So I made a decision about six years ago just to have fun. So mm-hmm. on a given day, there's always stresses that are coming at you, different deals. I'm not into positive thinking, by the way, which is a bit of a problem. So it's suppression negative thinking. So something as bad as bad, something as good as good. But you can still make a choice on a given day to simply experience what is. So I decided to enjoy my patients more, enjoy my staff more, enjoy experience, just enjoy things and, and take a playful attitude towards things. Completely changed the game for me. Wow. Wow. You know, and it's, it's so true. And, you know, the other thing I'd like to discuss is how much, and when I started with this, um, you know, when I was laying there with my broken back <laughs> and uh, isolated and, and in pain, the first thing that started happening to me was all this dread of, oh, my gosh, here we go again. It's going to be just like it was last time. How much right. of our past experience clouds our present and cre- recreates it? So what Lisa Feldman Barrett points out in this book called How Emotions Are Made is that concepts get embedded in a brain, again, just like that car or tree or house does, right? Mm-hmm. So it has everything to do with it. So if you have a prior, <coughs> excuse me, if you're a prior past negative experience and you have the same experience come up again, in other words, if you were bullied in high school or grade school and you meet that same person as an adult, 
you're going to have the same chemical reaction. So the past has everything to do with your perception of everything. So if you take somebody who's used to fasting and being tough and working out and training for a very high-level Olympic sport, their pain tolerance is completely different. Look at a football player. Look at an NFL football player or a boxer. I mean, none of us could take the, the pain inflicted on a given game day. We'd just be out for the count. So the past experience is say, look, I can take it. I can do it. I'm going to train my brain to keep doing this, and you do it. Conversely, if you were really victimized and you really hurt and something was really uncomfortable, why that experience will be drawn up. Your brain is going to compare the present experience to the past experience. And so you may have an extreme pain experience or something relatively minor. And people might call you a wimp, but guess what? You're actually feeling the pain. It's not a matter of being a wimp at all. It's just that your past experience got called up and your brain says danger. So it's how we survive. We actually analyze the past, compare it to the present, and we take appropriate action to remain safe. So if a certain situation has been a problem in the past, why well, it's absolutely going to create a major response in the present. So that is kind of explains how we live our life not being present, is because we're right. superimposing the events of the past onto our present and making a rerun. Absolutely. How yeah, can we break that cycle, extreme. David? Well, here's the deal, is that there's three parts to... What you're trying to do is actually change, program your brain to change. It's like directing a river into a different channel. So the pain slash anxiety pathways are permanent. They're embedded pathways. And so what you have to do is first separate. First of all, I'm sorry, you have to become aware of the stress. Then you separate, and then you redirect. So inadvertently, there's an exercise that pulled me out of the 15-year tailspin. It's called expressive writing. You should be right down your thoughts, which creates an awareness of the thoughts. Now you're physically separated from them. That space is connected with vision and feel, which is part of the unconscious brain. And then you can redirect. <clears throat> so the simple writing exercise, called, you simply write down 5, 10, 15 minutes, once or twice a day. Write down any thoughts that come to your brain, positive or negative, and you tear them up. And the reason why you tear them up is not to get rid of them. is for two reasons. One of them is to write with freedom. The second thing is to, is to actually not analyze them. Because the hardest part and easiest part of the process is that you can't fix yourself. So if you're analyzing your thoughts, your attention's on yourself, right? Okay. So you might as well put your hand right into a hornet's nest. <laughs> right? So okay. what the writing does is simply separates. So you're not trying to analyze anything. And then a, a redirection, a basic redirection process, again, just feel where you're sitting right this second. I call it active meditation. You simply switch sensory input. So you've done awareness, separation, redirecting. If you're meditating just to combat the thoughts, the thoughts are sort of going to win, unless you're a very, very skilled meditator. But if you combine the meditation with the writing, which creates that awareness and separation, then meditation is a wonderful tool to redirect. Okay, that makes sense. Now, there's another aspect of pain, and I think this might play in here, that I've danced with, again, because I was in chronic pain for so many years. One of the tools that I learned just kind of on my own to use was we, we, if we get pain, we get fear, we tighten up against the pain and the fear, which causes hypoxia or lack of circulation, which causes more pain, which causes more fear, and we call that the splinting cycle, right? Right. What I found is if I would embrace the pain and let it wash over me and let go of my definition of it, it would start to shift that cycle. Would you speak to that for us? Oh, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, very few people, by the way, have said what you just said. I mean, it's really just dead on what we're trying to do. So 
I wrote a website post called The Ring of Fire, which just visualized three rings, with the outside ring being blue, the middle one being red, and the center being green, is that the red is the pain, the anxiety, the anger, the physical pain, etc. So we spend a lot of effort staying away from that. And so we're in this blue ring, which is having fun, experiences, working, whatever it is we do just to sort of stay out of the pain cycle. But it takes a lot of energy to stay out of that red ring. We spend our entire lives trying to face it. And then the green is the center. So what happens is you learn to be comfortable with uncomfortable emotions. Use, I'll use the word embrace the pain or assimilate it. They start to lose their power. So as you become comfortable with uncomfortable emotions and feelings and sensations, they cease to become much of an issue. So again, you just absolutely dead on is how you solved your pain. I'm, I'm guessing you solved your pain. Yeah, I figured yes. mm-hmm. you're not in pain anymore. Nope. So, yeah, I mean, I, you just did it. So, again, my book's a framework that helps organize. I tell people, if the book's not a solution, it's just a framework, and each person finds their own solution. So what it does, it breaks pain down into its different parts, and each person will find their own way to solve it. And there's a couple of things that you mentioned about the mindfulness, relaxation, embracing the pain. You talked about priming. If you anticipate pain, it's going to be a higher pain. So those are dead on. So with the ring of fire analogy, as you learn to become comfortable with uncomfortable feelings, you go right into the green center, which takes no effort to stay there at all. If you take on a new skill or project, you have to go back through the red ring to get to the blue ring. So being comfortable with uncomfortable emotions is actually one of the essences of the solution. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. And it's a, it's a form of detachment while you're still experiencing the present moment, isn't it? Mm, I, I'm not sure. Basically, yes. I think the better word might be engagement. You just, mm-hmm. you just assimilate what is in front of you. So being fully present in the moment means sometimes being fully present with the pain. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. And so you the, what, what I meant only... by de- I'm sorry, what I meant by detachment is you're detached from your history. Well, again, the history, the answer is yes. I, I don't know about the, the answer is technically yes, but you're, you're really becoming aware of your history. It's all based on awareness. So you're aware that this situation in the past created this response. And then instinctively, with repetition, as you realize that this response isn't great, but guess what? You're not, at a, you're not in an abusive household anymore. You're actually in a place that's safe. You can actually start training your brain with repetition actually coming with a less intense response. Well, we're going to have to talk There's about training. We're going to have to talk about training the brain on the other side of yet another commercial break. David and I will be back shortly, so don't you dare go away. Visit our blog to ask questions and share your thoughts as we continue to co-create new solutions in a changing world at our website, thescienceofmagic.net. While you're there, join our email family to be the first to receive our topic-driven episode collections. We are your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. You're listening to The Science of Magic with yours truly, Yucca, on the excellent X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
named one of the world's greatest psychics, Elizabeth Joyce is now giving readings worldwide via Skype. Elizabeth Joyce is recognized for her clairvoyant ability to help find missing persons, her analysis of dreams, past life regression work, mediumship, and her accurate predictions. Elizabeth has been a frequent guest on the Exxon Radio Show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, now for several years. For an appointment with Elizabeth Joyce, call 201-934-8986 or Skype at elizabeth.joyce. And for more information, you can always visit Elizabeth Joyce online at www.new-visions.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www. WilliamSPeckham.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? I always love to hear from my listeners. Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Dr. David Hanscom, the author of Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. His website, backincontrol.com. David, we were talking about re- reframing, I believe. Um, well, reframing, we started there. But how to, how to get your mind out of that uh, loop that we're in when you're in pain and you're uh, projecting the past onto it. Right. Well, the pain pathways are permanent, like we've talked before, and you can't solve them. The other issue to remember is that the brain is a million times stronger than the conscious brain. 
So any conscious effort you have to try to solve this is not going to work. So the way you, you actually gain control is you give up the need for control. Mm-hmm. And so what you described was brilliant. I honestly, in all the interviews I've done, have not heard what you just said, but it is the essence of the solution, is that as you give up the need to control the pain, and you're just, you can be with it, it starts to lose its power. So as you quit fighting these circuits, they start to atrophy, and as you work into a different perspective and, re- and nurture part of your brain that's positive, then you shift away from the pain. So you don't solve chronic pain, you shift away from it. Mm-hmm. So one of the rules we have in, in chronic pain is that when people come in, into my practice now, it's like when you leave my office, you will never discuss your pain again ever with anybody. Because you can't control it. <clears throat> your brain's going to develop wherever you place its attention. And I've learned over the years that people talk about their pain a lot, including myself historically, and it wears people out around them, but it also gets you into this rut deeper and deeper and deeper. So it's like when you, walk, when you leave this office, you will never, ever talk about your pain, ever, especially to your family. So basically what remarkable. you're doing when you, talk, when you talk about your pain, you're identifying with it. That's who you are is your pain. Correct. So that doesn't that make it more difficult to move beyond it if you've identified with it? You might you lose yourself. Be, you, right, you can't, you can't move beyond it. Amazing. So I guess the anger that keeps you locked into the past, right? Mm-hmm. So 99% of anger is, is something in the past, is something that you're not letting go of. Okay. So that's where you really can't, without breaking the anger bond. So the essence of moving forward, that's why the first stage of the website is basically this simple writing exercise combined with mindfulness meditation. So it's awareness separation moving forward. The second stage is forgiveness combined with play. So forgiveness is a lot more complex process of becoming aware of what makes you angry. And then there's a more complex process of letting go. Then play, of course, is a complex way of moving forward. And then the third stage is more of an organizational getting yourself together to move forward. But the ultimate solution, which is stage four, is I call it the spiritual journey, where you simply start getting your perspective back. So it can be religious, can be good food, good wine, good friends. But people in chronic pain forget how to have fun. Mm-hmm. They get pulled into this black hole of talking about their pain, medical visits, victimhood. And it's real victimhood, by the way. I mean, being in chronic pain, the research paper shows that being in chronic pain has as much of an impact on your quality of life as terminal cancer. So it's a big deal, and you are a victim, and it's a major problem. The medical profession right now is still trying to do procedures on a neurological problem, and it doesn't work. So by using principles of awareness, separation, reprogramming, decrease in body's adrenaline, forgiveness, play, spiritual journey, none of those sound scientific except they are because they change the body's chemistry. We watch hundreds and hundreds of patients go to pain-free, not... Mm managing the pain, but actually going to pain-free. So, you know, which brings to mind, um, it it seems like there's a lot of people becoming addicted to uh, pain medications today. Right, Um, right. I mean, it seems almost epidemic. Would you speak to that? Well, I just did a review paper on this, looked at a review paper, and the most common reason people get addicted to drugs is untreated chronic pain. But when I give lectures to physicians and I ask them, well, how many of you enjoy treating chronic pain, less than 5% of the audience ever raises their hand. <laughs> right now, neuroscience, yeah, well, I mean, the, the thing is, I also gave a lecture at Mayo Clinic pointing out that treating chronic pain is called enjoying the management of chronic pain. It's by far the most rewarding part of my entire process. 
we just have this 33-year-old kid from Toronto who has been addicted to drugs for 15 years. Mm. He's been through rehab, rehab, rehab. And he said this is the first time he's had any hope. He's had no hope because we keep making chronic pain a medical problem or it's a neurological problem. So oh, we keep okay. using procedures and medications for a neurological problem and it can't work. So his conversation I had with him two days ago was incredible. He says, I'm learning to be with the pain. He says, I'm not running from the pain. So, he's been his, so when you do drugs, you're trying to run from the pain, right? Right. And you already pointed out the solution in your experience. And, you're, and I'm, just, I'm really curious how you came to your realization that being with the pain was sort of the answer. I mean, somehow you are not in pain anymore, correct? Right, I'm not. Right, so you did it. Yeah. So it's, it, it, so it's, so it's solvable, right? Absolutely it is. And I, you know, my, my question is there's different places in the body where pain sets in. What, you know, if pain can be managed like that, how much of the pain are we projecting onto our body versus the body giving us pain signals that there's something wrong? You know, I don't think you make, you make that difference because again, it's a unit response. In other words, you Mm -hmm. can't really have an orchestra without a conductor. You can't really have a conductor without an orchestra. So again, every millisecond you're brain is analyzing sensory input. So your brain's interpreting something as pleasant or unpleasant, painful, non-painful. So it's just a combined response. You really can't separate those two out, I think. And I'm, I'm very serious about trying to get rid of the word mental health. Mm-hmm. The way thoughts are simply sensory input that create the same chemical reaction as other physical sensations. And then stress, by definition, is, stre- is a threat. Otherwise, it wouldn't be stress. That's why you're point about reframing so critical because a lot of things that we perceive as stress is really just a story in our heads, right? Exactly. So as you yeah. reframe the situation and look at things differently, you actually change the sensory input and again change the body's chemistry. You know, once once you come to the point that, okay, this is doable, if I just take this for what it is versus all the history around it and all the projection towards the future based on the present, it really right. reduces the pain. It really right. it puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? And it's, it's not mind over matter because you're fighting the pain. Remember, you're surrendering to the pain. You're not fighting it, trying, not trying to solve it. So mind over matter is the opposite energy, right? Right. Exactly. So a, mind over matter is, is a battle, right? Right. Right. This yeah. is not a battle. So remember, there's the red, I'm sorry, there's the blue, red, and green rings. To get into the center it takes no effort. So once mm-hmm. you're in that center, you're, you just can be. And sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's not. Amazing. So, David, what do you see as the future of medicine with if this can be uh, taken into mainstream? Well, right now I'm having a lot of trouble getting into mainstream. That's why I'm going to the public. So right now we're on a very traditional medications, procedures, et cetera, for pain. The problem is people get their hopes up and then they get dashed. The data shows when you repeatedly dash people's hope, people get depressed, appropriately so. So we don't, medicine right now is not treating chronic pain correctly, although the neuroscience is right there. There's a paper out of Baltimore that shows only less than 10% of surgeons, for instance, are actually acknowledging the factors that affect pain before they do surgery. The data also shows that when you do surgery in the presence of chronic pain, you can make the pain worse between 40 to 60% of the time. Which what, is about, causes, about double what, the, what causes that? Well, because these neurological circuits are already fired up. In other words, a pain center in the brain is already fired up. You start plugging in body parts. Okay. So, so you have these memorized chronic pain circuits already fired up, and you start doing other procedures, dashing hopes, putting, th- 
putting people through the stress of procedures that actually have been documented not to work. Uh, and it's a really deadly cycle right now in medicine. So, you know, if you're talking about surgery and procedures, doesn't that traumatize the body further? Absolutely. Right. And add to the problem. Yeah, I know of almost over 100 surgical patients that I had on the schedule, and as we spent three or four months going through sleep, stress, everything we just talked about, they canceled the surgeries. And these had very, very tight structural problems, and they got better without the surgery. So it's actually decimated my surgical practice. Wow. You know, and you, you talk about how insidious scar tissue is, and then you start getting more restrictions around the area that you, you did surgery on. Right. And doesn't the body remember the surgery, even though we're unconscious? Wow. Wow. Just amazing. So, so how are you going to get this into mainstream? I'm, I'm really curious what I'm your plan is. Doing it. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> so I, have one, I, have a research, I have a research paper I'm running right now on the 100 patients that we did. Um, we watched, so we've documented probably a couple hundred patients we're trying to write up as a research project. It's sort of hard to write up because there's so many variables. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets better on their own. So remember, the, the main factor for people getting better is simply taking control of their own care. So the book gives you a framework to understand chronic pain. It's not a solution. Say, look, it's just a book. So unless you actually engage in the tools outlined in the book, things don't change. But with really simple tools, the writing relaxation is a great start. I can tell within two. I can tell within a minute when I walk into the patient's room if a patient's been writing or not. Mm-hmm. So as soon as they start the expressive writing, things start to shift. There's over wow. 300 research papers okay. that says that it works. Uh huh. Amazing. So, but it's been exciting. I mean, it's been an incredibly rewarding phase of my career, completely unexpected, and it's been fascinating. Well, you know, I'm sorry you went through the chronic pain, but I'm so, so glad you're in the world being a person of service and making a huge difference for our future. David, thank you okay. so much for all you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate being <laughs> on the show. Uh, it's just a real pleasure to have you. And it's hard all to right. believe, but we are already out of time. Our guest this hour has been Dr. David Hanscom the author of Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. His website, backincontrol.com, and if you're in chronic pain, you want to pick up that book. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at thescienceofmagic.net. This has been The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you take control of your health. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com.
Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.